let's do this. Let's, we're going to have two passages we're looking at specifically. It's Ephesians 4, and yeah, it's okay to yell when your mom comes in. She's awesome. Tiffany's awesome. If you want to yell that, you should do it. <laughs> we should, probably should have all yelled, Tiffany, when she walked in. Um, and then 1 Peter 3. Those are the two passages that we're just going to look at. Um, but first, I just, I just want us to, to have, um, I want to, if there is some feedback, I want you to be able to. Um, but the last two weeks, <clears throat> um, we've talked about our um, journey as a church about being open and affirming, right? But I think it's important to say out loud, um, and I think we've, we've tried to, but I hope it's come across, that what I taught about reinterpretation in Romans 1, and then what Holly taught about the Holy Spirit and about the, the leading of not necessarily new, but insight from the Holy Spirit. So that, you need to know, is definitely from us as individual people. So my thoughts on Romans 1, my thoughts on reinterpretation, are not like broadcast as church thoughts. That's not, that's not, you aren't ascribing to that by sitting here. Or like singing with Brian and Mandy didn't mean like, yeah, Austin was right about Romans 1. Because Austin really might not be. <laughs> For real. I'm 38, not as smart as I want to be, and all the things, okay? So just know that. And then I know Holly's thoughts on the, the passages she talked about last week and her discussion about the Holy Spirit, same thing. It is Holly's thoughts about maybe where she was led, and, and, and I'll stop talking you know, from her there. But mine are Austin's thoughts from me getting to where I am, right? And that's a long conversation. It's a long journey. It's, it's, they are. Mm-hmm. Both are. Both are recorded. Yep, yep. And so you can listen to both. They're both loaded even now, so yeah. Because um, I was on, yeah, exactly. I was in kid, Big Kids last week and missed Holly's and went back and listened. And it sounded great. It, the, it sounded great. Um, so, know that for sure. So you don't have to agree, that's fine. Even if you're like, yeah, let's do this as a church. Like, you don't have to agree with what we said. Um, the other part is, the whole reason for this three conversation kind of um, sit down isn't to convince you of anything. It's, it's not to say, here's why you should think this. It's not, look, see, now you have to agree because there's scripture, right? Like, like we talk about, oh, the Bible says this, and then if we just did the same thing, and we're like, see, the Bible really says blank, it's the same, and that's not what we're trying to get after, okay? And so that's not the intention. There's nothing we're gonna say to make everyone that does show up here on a Sunday to be like, you know what? I changed my mind. I agree with you, right? And I don't mean that in a sarcastic way. That sounded that way. I don't mean it that way. But that's not the intention. The intention is not to prove a right or a wrong, right? So <clears throat> there's, this, there's this wonderful, this doesn't have to necessarily apply, but there's this wonderful quote in a book I like that talks about the kingdom of heaven being a dance of God. And I love this phrase. But the idea of this author saying that is because if you force a dance, if you debate or wrestle or assault in that way, 
then it's no longer a dance between two people. It's no longer a dance with God. It's just, I'm telling you what to believe. I'm convincing you. I've debated with you. I've won with mental whatever or emotional. Usually it's not even mental anything. It's usually emotional thoughts, right? Like usually when we're taught a thing or convince a thing, it's because someone's louder or because they appeal to like, well, my kid or my this, right? So that's usually the idea. That is not the intention. The intention is to let you know where we're coming from, and the intention is to let you know this is what has spurred the conversation within um, each of us, and then hopefully through that within elders. But, you know, we didn't give five weeks to let every elder speak about the most important thing to them. And we should have, maybe, or we could have. I don't think every elder would have wanted that. You, it's your time today if you want to, Meg. Yeah, she's... Yeah, next week she's ready. This next week. You know what? After Advent, you're ready. Let's do it. Let's make it happen, right? So, <laughs> so but I, I need that to be said. And, and there, part of the reason I want that to be said is because what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about two passages where unity is kind of megaphoned out to the church. And I just want us to look at it together and just look at what it sounds like the unity is supposed to be for. Because I think that's important to us. And I think that should drive us as we move wherever forward is for us, <laughs> right? Whatever that means in, in any topic or subject. I think it's important, okay? So again, let's open to Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 3, and let's look at these passages on unity, okay? <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start just reading in, in, um, in verse 4, just in the beginning of the chapter. And it says this, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to mankind. Okay, so let's stop there, and we'll just, what do we usually assume unity to be? You don't have to like read the passage and be like, oh, I know what it says here. We're not interpreting yet. When, when we hear unity, what do we usually assume like that entails? Together. Togetherness. Okay, I like that. In what way together? Coming together. Coming together. So like maybe when we weren't together before. Okay, I like that. I think that's great. What else? What else unity? What would that mean? A shared commonality of some kind. Okay. A bond. All right. What is the, what is the, um, what's the, uh, I'm trying to think of, what's the glue of the bond? Common something, relationship. Okay. I like that. Sense of belonging. What else? What else would be the glue? Shared values. Shared values, what'd you say? Agreement. 
shared values. What else? Okay, I'm going to say, and this is not to knock any answer because this is where I started in my notes, those are all so vague, right? Fair, and then in a good way, and I think that's important, and, I, and I'm no, that's why I'm saying I'm not knocking any of you. Shared values, relationships, right? Commonality, all those things, like, those are in what, right? Just like, find something, let's do it, right? And, and here's the thing that's important, is that we all want that so badly, right? So we search for it. We search hard for it, right? In your group of friends, when you move to a place, what do you, what do, you do? You just want someone that will like what you like, and you, you'll let it be anything. You'll let it be like, oh, you love that kind of sock? That's my favorite sock. I order it all the time. Features, get it. Oh my gosh, they're so soft when you run, right? You'll do anything, right? Oh, I do this on my off time. That beer, oh, I like it too. They could be nothing like you, but you'll find one commonality and be like, okay, you're my friend for right now until I get better ones. Until I get better ones, you, you're the one, right? That's our, that's our nature, and that's okay, and that's good, right? Um, but here, what, what I, what I want to talk about, so I, I heard, I've been listening to this, and Brian's been listening to it too. There's this podcast um, that I'm addicted to so bad, and it's... It's a Christianity Today podcast, which I would never go to Christianity Today for, for things, except I do now because it's, the podcast is amazing. Um, it's about the life and death of a church called Mars Hill in uh, the Portland slash Seattle area. It's an amazing podcast. But one thing that it's haunted me now for about a week and a half as I was preparing for this is this statement that this, this pastor makes. And they're talking about... Um, the reason why the church failed. And it's this whole thing, the church blew up and was like thousands and thousands of people and then was zero like in a week and a half. Like it, not a week and a half total, but a week and a half it went from that to zero. And so one of the comments that I think is beautiful and so telling is that we often pick from Christ's teachings what we want to be the major chord, the major note. And we find that thing where like that's, that's the important part of Jesus. And then everything else becomes minor, right? And we all do it. We all do it. We, we're all nodding, and I agree, and I have chills talking about it, but I have my own major notes that other pastors would be like, uh, yeah, it's fine. That's not a major note. Jesus talked about it like three times, man, right? We all have that, okay? And then there are some minor chords that we need to start listening to that we need to be aware of, right? I was telling a buddy on a porch at Habitat just yesterday. I was telling him, I was like, you man, you know what's funny? I was like, I bet you every Christian person, they don't have to have, I said, I bet you they don't have a belief necessarily. Not every one of them has like a stance, but they've all had to think about sexuality in their human experience and what Jesus thinks about it, right? Like, like if you just have sex before you're married, if if um, homosexuality is okay or acceptable, all these things we all have had to come to grips with and we've had thoughts about, right? Do you know how many times Jesus talked about all those things? Zero. Do you know how many people I know in churches that go visit people in prison? Zero. Jesus talked about that all the time. Actually, that's not true. I know two. I know two. Mandy and Eric. That's the list. 
But we have made this sexuality thing a major chord. And this thing Jesus preached over and over and over again about justice, we've all said, if you have time, you can go do that. If you feel like it, go visit people in prison. That is who we are. It's the reality of who we are as Christians. That's our culture. That's where we live. That is me and Lilybeth and us. And I don't like it. It's frustrating. And that doesn't mean that the minor chords aren't important. It doesn't mean that the major chords aren't important. It just means we weight things interestingly. Usually, we weight things that are easier for us to achieve as important. And we weight things that are harder as unimportant. Giving people money, awesome. If we have disposable income, we can give money. Giving people your own coat, uh, less important. It's my coat. I'll pay for them another one. Jesus says, though, give them your shirt, your coat. There's a reason for that, and we don't care about that reason because it's our coat and we like it. So we stop there. A lot of things we do for this reason. So many things. And with that mindset, reading this passage, we're going to pick the things we should be unified about. Right? So look again what it says. There's one, I'm going to start in verse 4. Sorry. Actually, I'm going to be in uh, 2. With all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. What is the unity of the Spirit? In the bond of what? Peace. Not peace with those who agree with my thoughts on Romans 1. Just peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called, and one hope that belongs to your call. Our Lord, our faith, one bapt- or one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, and it goes on and on and on. But this idea of being smart about Scripture or having the right belief has somehow become more valuable than this list. Humility, gentleness, patience, with wherever anyone is on any journey of anything, patience, bearing with one another in love, not because you have to, not because of guilt, or not, okay, I'll let you agree different with with me right now because you'll get there one day when you get smarter. It's not that nonsense. It's let's just do this together. We will bear together because we love each other and humility is important to us. And we might actually try to learn what that means, humility. We won't just see it in another and think it's awesome and and congratulate them one day and think that we were humble because we congratulated them that day, right? That's how we do it. We say, oh, you know who's really humble is that person. And then we're like, oh man, I was just humble because I said they were real humble. That's not it. That's not it. There are more depths to it as it happens, right? And so in, in that mind again, let's go to 1 Peter. And... This one is where I, would, I wouldn't argue this is actually Peter writing it, which there's a lot of New Testament books that I would be like, oh, this is fun, we can debate. This, this, is, this is probably Peter. The Greek is pretty poor. <laughs> He's you know, not brilliant about a lot of things. He fishes, that's his job. And he writes this, 
so wonderfully. Um, starting in verse 8, finally all of you, oh, the reason I was saying that too is because he's not humble usually, right? He doesn't care about unity very much until later in his life, and this is what he writes. Finally, all of you have unity in mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, bless, for this is what you are called to do that you may obtain a blessing for whoever desires to love life and see good days. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So again, we have, what are the like pillars of unity in this passage? have unity of mind, okay? And I think that's what we're all trying to figure out right now. And I think any of us reading that would be like, see, yeah, we all have to agree on something, right? And I'm not saying that's foolish. So in my family, both sides of our family, there is is much hope for unity of mind, which usually people say is unity of belief. Like we want to have the same belief about a thing because why would the Holy Spirit tell Romy one thing and me another thing, if I'm reading the same passage. Like, why would we disagree? How is that good, right? How can the kingdom of heaven flourish when no one can agree on a simple text, right? That's, and that's a real belief. And honestly, that does pain all of us. It does. We can be as nice as we want and pretend to be humble and respectful here, but we hate that people disagree with us. I do. I hate it. I mean, honestly, I, I, and this is, uh, yeah, we'll do this. So it's like, when I teach a thing, I believe that thing very, very, very much, all the way. Or I wouldn't say it super loud and obnoxiously with terrible analogies and silly jokes, right? I wouldn't do that. But even in conversation with some of you over like a beer, if you, if you say something different than that, it obviously catches me. And I'm like, oh, that's not what I think about that, but that's okay. And it like can bother me sometimes, which is so crazy and so silly, but I'm like, oh no, I, I, I think they would have so much more peace if they would see it this way because that's the way I feel about it, right? All the time, that happens, all the time. But I know I'm just a 38-year-old straight white guy with two kids who grew up in backwoods East Texas. And I know where all of my interpretations come from. And they're maybe not right. You, each of you, have such wisdom to bring to that and can disagree with me and help me learn and and love the scriptures, but it hurts us to disagree. It does. Whether it's what we think about homosexuality and, and everything that that would entail, like we're dealing with now, whether it would deal with a community that a lot of us don't have a lot of experience in, what it means racially, with, with how we see each other and how we walk in the world. What it means for divorce, how we see that. What does it look like? How does that, what does that do, right? How we see sex, how we see giving, how we see what we do with our finances, all of those things. There are so many things that we are just going to disagree about, but we're going to want to agree about. We're going to want to. 
Each of you is going to want everyone to see it your way. And that's fair. And that's not wrong or bad also. I want us to have unity of mind. <laughs> it's just I want it to be my mind. <laughs> I want you to all agree with me, right? Like, that's how we all are. And I don't mean that as terrible as that sounds, but I probably do. Like, everyone wants that. Like, we, we want everyone to agree with us because we're smart. We're right. We've based a lot of things on these opinions. But what else is in the list? That's the first one. And that one comes up when we're talking about being open and affirming. But what else is on the list? And I think this is important. Right after, um, right after which we talk about unity of mind, we have sympathy. What's involved with sympathy? This word caught me off guard in the list because I, I didn't assume it would be in the list. I don't remember seeing it. What's involved with sympathy? Empathy is involved with sympathy, which is what? Empathy in general is putting yourself in another person's shoes, right? It's so like when you send, um, so for John, if you sent a sympathy card to him for his grandfather, what you would be trying to say is, as much as I can, I want to know what you're dealing with. I understand. We have all lost, right? So in my loss, I have drawn that feeling back and I'm giving it to you. I love you. Here's that, right? That's, that's kind of what it is. What else is sympathy? What's involved with it that's tricky? Feelings. Of what, though? Yes, and that's, that's part of why we don't do it. Because sympathy like, makes us feel real hard, right? Like what you're saying, it's just empathy. Being empathetic is hard. What else does sympathy make us do? What feelings? What is it? You have to. That's right. There's a, you can have compassion. You, I don't think you can have empathy or sympathy. Yes, I don't think so. Compassion, maybe. You'd be like, I. I feel in that distance. I can imagine what's going on. Empathetic is like, oh no, I can put myself with them because I am with them, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's good. You have that closeness with sympathy and you have some vulnerability with sympathy. That those are some things with that that make it hard immediately and that make that, honestly, a very minor chord within Christian tradition. We don't try purposely. How many sermons have you heard about sympathy? Peter's like, no, this is important. It's part of unity. Sympathy. Have this, right? And going on, it says, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Okay? Let's go with brotherly love and being tender-hearted. Why in the world would that lead to unity? And what do we... Oh, sorry, go ahead with that. Right, like a family. How pervasive is that, though, really? Brotherly love. Yeah, that shrug, I think, in the grin under the mask is like, <laughs> not so much, right? Like, how many of you really, how many have a brother? You have brothers? I don't have a brother. Sister, do you have brothers? How many people can imagine loving me or Kevin, or Drew, like you actually love your brother. And having a hard time, you can, yeah, because I'm your brother. Kevin. So like, 
being able to choose that is hard. It's crazy. And honestly, it's like, no, you shouldn't do that. You should love your brother more. I mean, to our boys, I would be like, no, each of you is the most important to the other one. Don't love anyone like you. But this is like brotherly love, this phileoness is so important that it would be a descriptor of unity to treat each other like we are really family. Now, our views of family can hurt us there because views of family in that day of that time were like, they, it, it's, it's the creating a compound type of family. It's like, oh no, when you marry in, you're in, in. We all live together, we all do this together, we all deal with each other together, we, we do the thing, right? That's, that's the deal. That's, that's like the hope of family. Everyone knows each other forever. We don't move thousands of miles away and have a family in Chicago or East Texas or Guam or whatever else. You, you family where you are, right? So this idea of brotherly love is tricky for us, and, and it's like foreign, really. We can try to say it's important, but it's foreign to us. And then moving on, a tender heart. How many, how many of us purposefully foster a tender heart? And what would that mean? What would it mean to foster a tender heart, to make yourself have one? What do you think? What would that mean? It's what? Caring purposely for people? Okay. Right. Like actively letting it be tender for them, right? Because what's the easiest thing to do? When we see something that could grab our heartstrings, the easiest thing is just look away or do something different, right? It's the easiest thing. I have a buddy I work with that um, he told me this the other day. He actually shared this, which was beautiful. Um, he passed this, um, uh, seems to be a homeless man that lives in, or maybe doesn't live, but um, is in my area, like on the road. I see him all the time. He saw him for the first time the other day and wept in his car. Like he cried. And he works in construction with me. So he called me and was like, dude, I just saw this guy at your house. Do you, have you ever seen this guy? Like it broke my heart. His situation's rough. It's awful, you know, whatever. And he wept. I pass by that person every day, have wept zero times. And it's become part of my scenery. But one of us, Brandon, fostered tender heart. One of us untendered his heart on purpose, right? And I, maybe it wasn't belligerent. Maybe I wasn't like, I'm going to make this guy scenery. I'm going to see him as I see a tree. That's what he is, though. That's terrible, because a tender heart is not being fostered. It's, it's, it's purposeful. We have to do it. <clears throat> And a humble mind. Now, humble mind is the worst one of the list. Because again, I want all of you to agree with me. Each of you wants all of us to agree with you. We all think we're smart, especially if we studied a thing for like nine minutes <laughs> and drew an opinion from it. But a humble mind knows it can be wrong. And a humble mind is willing to maybe base a belief on something and then know it may have to adjust that. 
and know that it may have to change its life based on that. And, and it goes both ways, okay? So I'm saying this openly. My view of Romans 1, or reinterpretation, can be changed, hopefully. Hopefully, I'm a grown-up enough to be able to say, you know what, my mind is humble. If I read something that's so brilliant and poignant, and I feel like is like, piercing to me, I can say, oh man, I may need to re- rethink what I just said. We need to be ready for that. We need to be available for that. We need to like decide within us that a humble mind is something we will go after. Because it's also hard. It's hard to have a humble mind. Once we attach to something, we attach to it. And we, we identify with it, right? We, we make it a disclaimer for our life. We say, now our decisions are based on this. And I'm, I'm saying that because that is what I am doing here with us. That is what our church and our elders are saying we are doing here together. We are saying, we believe this should be reinterpreted. We believe the Holy Spirit is saying to do this. We believe that our LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters have full access to whatever faith or whatever community or whatever grace we imagine we were deserving of or could find, we want it to be for all. And then all levels of leadership, participation, every bit we think everyone should have, right? And we're saying it. And it makes me feel good to say it. But everything in there, the decisions leading up to that, I need to have a humble mind about. And as much as it feels good to say that, I need to be available for discussion, debate, I need to look at scriptures again and see, oh man, what oh, that is not what I was thinking that said, and this information is important. And oh man. We need to be people that always have humble minds because we're going to demand it from the other side of any debate. I'm going to hope that everyone that does not fully agree with me has a humble mind and listens to me. How then can I not? ask myself and hope before I go to sleep that I have a humble mind as they talk to me and debate back with me. I should be able to do that. And that is something that I think is such a, um, I'm trying to think of the word, it's like a, a fl- it's like a fleeting thing to grasp, having a humble mind. Because we know what we believe. We hit some age and then it's like, oh, I know my things. This is who I am. Instead of being willing to grow, willing to be humble with each other. And that is what I want us to have. And, and with this idea of unity in the Spirit and unity in Christ, unity of, of mind, of sympathy, of, of humility, all these things, what I want us to do is just decide to go on that journey together. And just say, you know what? We're willing to give this. Let's just give it a go together. <laughs> let's, let's attempt being of humble mind with each other. Let's attempt being gracious to each other to a fault. Like, let's just be too gracious to each other and see how it goes.
We'll see if the fruit tastes bad when we're too gracious to each other. And just test and try and see if, if how we see the kingdom of heaven at hand, see if it's good or if it's not. Um, okay. Okay. Let's, let's do that, though. That's the end. Makes sense. That's the end. Uh, let's do this. Let's pray together, and we'll stand and have communion together um, and sing a few more songs. God, we, we know how it sounds, or I know how it sounds, for me to say let's have unity with each other when I think I'm on the right path of a thing. And to say, let's be humble of mind together can sound like I'm saying, give agreeing with me a shot. (laughs) God, let that not be our intent. Let our intent be to truly have unity with each other. Not just of our beliefs, but also in how we feel for each other, how we give to each other. How we give grace to each other. And God, we ask that you would allow us that grace, the same grace you give us that we would give to each other. In Jesus' name, amen.